Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with uh, my co-host today, Daniel Robison from WFIU. Today's program is the third part in a three-part series on surviving the uh, economy today. Um, our guests uh, in the studio are going to talk about networking and searching for, for a job. Uh, joining us today are the Ivy Tech Career Services Assistant Director Katie Anderson and Work One Business Services Director Richard Rampley. You can join the program by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join us uh, by going to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can even follow us on Twitter. Just uh, go to at noon edition. So thank you for being here. And Daniel, thanks for sitting in all these last couple weeks. Yeah, no problem. Boy, you're a getting to be a veteran of Noon Edition. <laughs> it was fun to be Bob for a few weeks. That was good. Yeah, I bet you did a better job than I do. You're a professional. Um, Richard, I, w- I want to ask about Work One. What, what, exa- what are the things that your office does? Well, Work One, many people uh, think of it as unemployment, but mm-hmm. uh, we actually spend about two-thirds of our time focusing upon employment and training. So obviously we have unemployment assisting people to uh, file their unemployment claims and working with businesses on that. We spend a lot of time focusing upon how do you develop new skills? First, how do you know your skills? And how do you take those skills, add to them, develop them, upgrade them, and then use those to get a job? Sometimes it's additional training. Sometimes it's honing those skills you have and brushing up on them. We spend a lot of time with folks upgrading those skills. Mm -hmm. We have Work One offices throughout uh, all of South Central Indiana, and uh, larger ones in the Bloomington area and Bedford, for example. But all of our counties uh, in South Central Indiana have a Work One office that will help uh, people in their communities. Mm-hmm. And Katie, the uh, Career Services uh, Office at Ivy Tech, what, what's your role? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. My role is to help students um, with everything from career decision making to placement assistance upon graduation. And that includes just about everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you seeing a lot, of, uh, a lot of people coming to you that are uh, just trying to figure out what to do next because they've lost a job? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> in a word, and, yes. Uh-huh. I think um, the way Richard and I met, it was years ago when the Thompson plant closed. Mm-hmm. And it was quite shocking because I was new into the position um, of being a career services practitioner And I had fielded a call earlier that week from a recruiter about posting positions for the students and graduates. And then that Friday, of course, I think the news came out that um, the plant was closing, and in fact, it was closed. And then I met Richard, and I became a part of the transition team. So I learned um, firsthand how shocking it is to, to show up to work one day and not the next. Um, it's not an e- easy um, – it's, it's a loss. And so I'm seeing people, and I have through the years who have experienced that loss. Um, some people respond to it um, more positively than others. Um, they've been kind of looking for a change, and a change is okay. And others are perhaps more wrapped up into – not just the salary, the income, but also 
what they have been doing and what in the world will they do next. Mm-hmm. Do most of the folks you deal with, uh, are they coming to Ivy Tech to uh, as a re-education program, something they, they've been laid off, laid off and, and they want to learn a new skill and perhaps find a new direction for their employment? Yes, absolutely. We offer the two-year associate degree. We also offer technical certificates and career development certificates. Um, we offer um, advancement courses for people who may not be ready for a college career. Um, that's important to know because people have ideas about what it takes to, to come to college. And so um, we educate them from the minute they walk in the front door. Mm-hmm. All right. You're listening to Noon Edition and I'm Bob Salzberg along with Daniel Robinson. We're talking about uh, networking and searching for a job today and I wanted to get this uh, sort of, um, I guess, request in early that if you're out there and you have lost a job or you anticipate losing a job, we have two people in here who can help you today. We're going to offer a lot of information but if you have uh, a question um, that you want to ask them, I would encourage you to to call. Richard Rampley is here. He's Work One Business Services Director. And uh, you just heard from Katie Anderson, who's the Ivy Tech Career Services Assistant Director. Richard, um, you keep pretty close tabs on unemployment statistics or – do we call them employment statistics or unemployment statistics? I guess it's – I guess we can look at both of them. Okay. Um, and so what are, what are things like in our area? And you, know, you, as you said, Work One has offices in many places. You know, we serve uh, – WFIU serves Bloomington and Monroe County but also how many other counties, Daniel? Oh, a bunch. Kokomo, yeah. one for – you know, has almost 20 percent unemployment and Terre Haute has about 10 and – other communities have uh, much higher unemployment than, than here. And you start looking at those uh, other communities and you see heavy manufacturing in those. And that's – in this recession, that's what we're seeing is a decline in that heavy old line type of manufacturing. And communities like Kokomo are, are tremendously impacted by it. We're seeing that a lot less in south central Indiana, in Bloomington, who, who made some of these transitions 10, 12 years ago. When the Thompson plant that Katie talked about closed, as General Electric has reduced its number of employees over the years, as Otis Elevator uh, moved a lot of their production out and and, uh, ABB and others. So what's happened is Bloomington has gone through this transition and it's now looking at a different sort of manufacturing in in south central Indiana. We're seeing biomedical manufacturing. We're seeing growth and, and actually employment in a lot of those areas uh, in, in the healthcare care and, and biomedical areas that maybe other communities are looking forward to uh, attracting that type of business. So we're seeing an unemployment rate here that's oh, – well, we're the second lowest – Monroe County is the second lowest uh, in unemployment in the state. But compared, back, compared to Kokomo. But back when the Thompson plant closed, uh, you know, and, and also GE uh, employees here losing their jobs, what did you see that they did to uh, transition themselves so that they could work in these new industries? Well, I think the first thing that they did was look at what skills they had. All of the, the community effort that went on in those activities and that go on still today as we've met with General Electric over the past couple of years is unsurpassed. By getting Ivy Tech and Work One and the cities, the counties, the uh, all the different providers together, IU together to to see what resources can come together to serve these individuals and identify a plan of action that would help those individuals. Um, we've had a number of people then identify their skills. Here's what I can do. Here's what I want to do. Here's what's out there. They have to learn and research. It's like relearning. What, what you did when you came out of high school or college, say, what jobs are out there? What skills do I have? How can I apply those? So they go through that process. They go to Ivy Tech or IU or other uh, post-secondary institutions, upgrade their skills, and then come back and compete for those jobs. So Richard and Katie, you find yourselves working together a bit. A lot. Yes. <laughs> uh, how, how do you guys work together? Uh, describe your, your working relationship and how you guys – both work toward the same goal, which is getting people unemployed, but you both serve different roles? Yes. I, I think that um, the people who we're talking about right now coming out of manufacturing, they may very well not know what's out there. So um, part of what we do 
is we do some career exploration. We do look at the companies that are hiring, and they are still hiring. Um, We look at using assessment, um, academic assessment, interest, values, competencies. Um, As people come in, as they are referred to Ivy Tech, for instance, um, I I help them become aware of the programs that we offer. And maybe that's just a little bit too detailed. So we look at the schools of programs that we offer and just have a greater awareness of how to transition back into employment. So going through these processes of, of, uh, of learning, um, you know, what skills they have, what skills they want, what jobs they want uh, – that's uh, you know on paper that sounds fine, but in reality, how does this play out? That people have a tough time, uh, you know, coming to terms with uh, how how unqualified maybe they are. I think the most difficult I mean, that's the most difficult situation is I've worked for fifteen, twenty, thirty years. I don't know how to look for work. I know how to look for work twenty years ago, but I don't know what's required today. I don't know how to make those contacts. Katie, I, others always indicate that networking is a key to getting access to jobs. And experts disagree. Some say 50 percent. Some say 80 percent. But a significant portion of all jobs are found by networking. By telling your friends, I want a job. I'm looking for a job. Here are the types of jobs I'm seeking. By telling your acquaintances, people that you just meet on the street, hey, do you know about a job? Doing informational interviews, going into someone like Bob and saying, look, I don't want a job, but tell me, what would it take to get a job in the newspaper business? And then what happens is you build a repertoire of skills that you can go into someone else or maybe even back to Bob and say, hey, I do want a job. (laughs) But that gives you an advantage over someone else because you've already made that contact. He'll then remember who you are when uh, when you talk to him the next time. I, I would follow up on that and say that, that – and I'm not encouraging everybody in our listening audience to call me or anything. <laughs> but you, you might walk into an office um, in, a, in a business or um, just a work setting with one idea of a job that you might be able to do. Like somebody might come in and say, well, I'd kind of like to have a job in the newsroom. And if I talk about the skills that they have, they might be much better suited for our advertising department or for our circulation department or for our business department or some niche publication we have. So I think what you're talking about, Richard, and and having people go in and and do an interview with somebody, they just might not know what opportunities are even within that one business. I think the – and that's quite quite an advantage because it helps them – provides them with more direction as to where they might want to go. The worst thing you can say in an interview – and we don't see this, by the way, of folks coming out of like Ivy Tech or IU. They've got a lot more focus. But people coming right out of manufacturing, we're seeing more and more these days, you know, as companies close or reduce uh, their their employment. People saying, I'll take any job in the world. There is no such job as anything. And we tell people that every day. You need to be focused upon what it is that you want to do. Not that you can't be open to other opportunities, but don't go in there with just a shotgun approach. Go in there and say, I would consider A, B, C, and D. Those are opportunities. Are there others that I should consider? One of the things I'm curious about is uh, say an old Thompson employee who uh, thought they'd be working there for their whole career or someone at GE who thought uh, – you know, who hasn't thought about getting another job uh, you know, for 10 or 15 years. Do you think there's some fault of the companies that they worked for to not uh, – I don't know. Maybe they were lured into a sense of, 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 of being comfortable and knowing that they maybe not uh, you know, ever had to go look for another job again. So uh, how do you sort of break through that? Well, I'd like to say that some of the people coming out of Thompson did exactly what you're talking about. They, they found another manufacturing job. Maybe they went to GE and um, were better prepared the second time around. They knew that it could happen at any time. So they started taking classes at IAV Tech, at IU. And I think that employers have stepped up in many ways, encouraging their employees to take classes while they're still working. We have a lot of students who are still working but may not be working in their fields for very long. 
Um, there is uh, people coming out of Vistion that have been taking classes for a year or two. Maybe they're coming through work one and they have to have a plan. Well, what kind of career, college career, can I have, complete it within two years, come out and be a nurse, let's say? Um, if they have taken the prerequisites for the program or any health care program, then they're better prepared and they can advocate for themselves better uh, by talking about what they can do with a two-year degree. We talked to the Kokomo mayor a lot, and, and he has almost 20 percent unemployment he's working with right now. And one of the debates is, uh, you know, are those jobs going to come back, the manufacturing jobs the, in the auto industry uh, in particular? Are they going to come back or is new industry going to come to Kokomo that they can transition into? So it's, you know, clinging on to their past, which has been good to them, or going to the future, uh, sort of an uncertain future. So what would, advice would you offer to, you know, about one in five people in Kokomo that uh, the mayor, uh, you know, he, he's trying to do his best with, but uh, what would you say to them? Well, uh, we were talking about the green sprouts every once in a while. You hear about the green sprouts, something's happening, another company is coming in, maybe the name has not been disclosed. It's important to keep the hope up that another company will come in and have a manufacturing type of operation. I think that here in Indiana, we will always continue to make things. Um, we will always continue to farm. I mean, it's just a given. Um, but manufacturing itself has changed. And um, it seems that people need to be looking at advanced manufacturing, how to not just make things with their hands, but program um, the machines that are used in manufacturing. Because as it turns out, I mean, I hear that most of our jobs are considered service jobs and only some of those jobs are manufacturing in nature. Even though maybe the output is high, it doesn't take as many people to manufacture products anymore. So it's, it's still a very important notion to look to education as being the answer for transitioning back into the workforce all right, our phone numbers are 855 877 9348 The website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition and at t- Noon Edition on Twitter. You can follow us there too. Uh, we're talking about uh, networking and searching for a job. We know there are a lot of people who are out there who are either unemployed or are uh, maybe going to be facing that sometime in, in the future or who just want to better themselves and move into something else. Um, both of you have been working in this field for a long time and um, you know, I'm, I'm of an age where I like to think about perspective. <laughs> Uh, this economy is uh, is bad. We all know it's bad. We write about it all the time in the paper. Everybody knows it's not in a very good shape. But but can we put this in some sort of perspective, Richard? In your experience, have we been? Is this an unprecedented time, or have you, is it sort of one of the waves in a continuing sort of cycle of things? Well, I'm one of those folks who spent my time in college uh, learning to be an economist, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a. My bachelor's degree is in, in uh, economics and I have a, a minor in sociology. And someone said, well, what would you ever do with the sociology and economics? Well, it turns out I work for Work One and work in the workforce development system. But back in 81, 82, it was worse. I was working in northwestern Indiana in Gary and Hammond and extremely high unemployment. Uh, all the steel mills were closing, so on and so forth. And uh, it was really bad then. Now, it's really bad now. When we see 5,000 people in Kokomo lose their jobs, uh, at least for a temporary period of time, and how many of them are going to go back to work, we don't know. And and I'll build on what Katie said. We're not going to see 5,000-person plants anymore. We might see 50, 100-person plants, manufacturing environment. So we're going to see a complete change in manufacturing, I think. And... What we're seeing now is people demanding more from all the workers that are out there. As Katie mentioned, not only do you operate a machine, you learn how to program that machine. You learn how to troubleshoot and repair that machine. So there's a lot more demand on on the workers today. Mm -hmm. 
Katie, how, uh, yeah, talking about perspective, how, uh, how are things different for you from when, you know, you started your job and, and the things you've seen uh, as you've gone along? Well, okay. Um, there are some good things about, um, you know, what's been happening. Um, productivity has gone way up. Um, the people I work with, we work in a group. And it seems that even though we may have some expertise in one area or another, we all work together. We, we have a real strong sense of trust that we will be able to, to serve the increasing amount of people coming in. The expectations are very high. Um, so we've learned um, so much more from each other uh, so that we can deliver and still have, you know, a good, um, a good position in helping people. It, the expectation is much higher. Well, Ivy Tech uh, is seeing record enrollment uh, yes. all the time. Every report that seems like I'm seeing is that more and more students are joining Ivy Tech. Uh, why do you think that is? is it, do you think it's because of the economy? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm kind of alluding to is that it's been good for Ivy Tech. Um, it's been very good. Um, I mean, it, there are um, some needs to be able to continue to serve all of the incoming people. And by that, we have um, – I, I met a family this summer. Um, they have quadruplets. One of them is coming to Ivy Tech and the other three are – you know, going uh, different places, but they absolutely had to make a decision. One of their children would be attending community college. But there are so many more families out there that may have expected for their children to attend private college or a, a university, and now they're looking at the community college knowing that they can start out, they can get a one-year, two-year degree transfer into a four-year school and graduate instead of with a a $40,000 bill, maybe a $20,000 bill. So we know about that. And we know that, of course, because our degree programs lead directly into meeting workforce needs, that people are coming to Ivy Tech for that reason. We've always had a very high uh, placement rate when we survey our graduates. We find that they're working well, we've had John John Weikart on the show before, and I know that some of what you do is you look around the community, or the community looks at you and says, "Hey, you know, we've got the Midwest Proton Radiotherapy Institute, and we need uh, we need people who can work there. Can you develop a program for us?" So there is some targeting that's going on. I wanted to to turn to to John or to Richard. Sorry, John Weikart, Richard Rampling, <laughs> um, because um, you know we can. Katie and John Weikart can talk about how great Ivy Tech is, and we believe them because we, they're very trustworthy people. But from your perspective, this this move to a community college system in Indiana, Richard, what's that meant for being able to help keep people employed? Well, the accessibility of uh, education for the people that didn't have it before. I mean, when I was in when I was graduating from Bloomington High School, it was go to uh, go to IU or maybe go to Vincennes University and, and into a, a junior college. Those were the choices really. So the advantage, uh, I've seen it in my own family with my nieces and who went through Ivy Tech and maybe a year or two years there and then moved on to IU or other institutions. The advantage of having a community college and, and in almost every community, Ivy Tech goes – and I'm not here to promote Ivy Tech. They do a good enough job of doing that themselves. But, uh, but uh, not only in Bloomington, but folks in Bedford can get classes and courses in Bedford. They may not even have to come to Bloomington to uh, uh, complete all of their education at Ivy Tech. Or they may just have to come here for part of their second year. So the advantage of having, having it in everyone's backyard is really a benefit for the state of Indiana who has notoriously for years – been perceived to have lower than average educational levels of, uh, of all of its workers. So that's a benefit for the state as a whole. And from, an econom- from improving our state's economy, it's a tremendous benefit. Katie, have you seen maybe the stigma around community college sort of lessen since the, since the economy has sort of taken a, a turn for the worse? Oh, yes. <laughs> as Richard said, I mean, people did not necessarily think of Ivy Tech as being the place to go. 
And now, because of its accessibility, of course it is. And there, if anything, you know, it shows that that these students will be very successful in their college careers. They're starting out with the smaller classes. And I'm not just saying this to promote Ivy Tech, but I'm just trying to make a point here that, in a way, it shows that they're thinking ahead, they're planning ahead, and... I hope that this is true of, um, you know, people who have any feelings that Ivy Tech is less than going to any other college. It's college. And I know when we started out in 1963, it was with a $50,000 grant, and it was to meet workforce needs. And people who wanted to go into health care came to Ivy Tech. Then we became the vocational school. And then we stepped up. We became a state college. We were so very proud of the name Ivy Tech State College. And now community, I think, says it all. Anyone anywhere in the state of Indiana can come to Ivy Tech. And I think people are proud of it. When I'm in downtown Indianapolis, I see the Ivy Tech banner everywhere. And that has to make you feel good. All right. We're going to uh, take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition and our discussion today about uh, searching for a job. When we come back, we're going to talk about some tips that you may not have thought about if you're out there searching for a job and some things that may be, may be holding you back. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Listening to Noon Edition on member supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at Smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at MotherBearsPizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Daniel Robison from WFIU. And our two guests today, um, Ivy Tech Career Services Assistant Director Katie Anderson is with us, and Work One Business Services Director Richard Rampley is here in the studio. If you have questions or comments about uh, this job market and how you might break into it or, or better yourself in it, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can find us uh, on our website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Well, I was talking about, uh, I, I mentioned before we took the break that we'd get to some tips here in the second half of the program. Um, I wanted to mention one because I've been going through some job searches, finding, I mean, we've been looking for people and uh, to come work at the Herald Times. And one of my absolute pet peeves and gets somebody put in the rejection file immediately is if they send me some paperwork with my name misspelled on it. I just think that is a really bad opening sign. And, you know, it doesn't matter what other skills you've got. That's just going to wind you up in the reject file. So that's a simple tip that I would suggest to people. I know you guys have seen a lot of things about job searches that either are very good or, or not so good. I remember when Alan Murphy worked for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I remember calling him and asking him, how to spell his name because Alan can be A-L-L-E-N, A-L-L-A-N. He was so pleased to have been asked. And, of course, I knew that anyone writing to A-L-L-A-N Murphy would have a chance. Right. A much better chance. <laughs> Richard? the uh, <clears throat> Probably the one error that we see more often than not 
is in general poor resumes. Um, although a lot of people think that a resume should be long and identify everything about you, that's wrong. A resume should be one to two pages at most. It used to be 10 years ago, I would say, one page, no exception. Today, two pages are, are being – is much more acceptable, but never more than two pages. And we get uh, curriculum vitae from people with seven, nine, eleven pages and say, okay, this is fine, good information. Get it down to one page. And many times, oh, I can't do that. I have a master's degree in such and such and I was published and I did this. You know, one page, two page at top. Mm-hmm. So we see that that layout and format is important because the resume is used to get your foot in the door, to get somebody interested in you. It's a it's an ad in the paper. It's not a feature story in the paper. It's to attract attention to you. Uh, I had a friend who changed the – he got different paper for his resume. He was in graphic design. So instead of doing an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper, he got a 9 by 11.5 sheet of paper. When you stack resumes together, his always stood out. And that was his point, was for his resume to stand out. You would always pull that out then. If, if Bob were looking through uh-huh. a number of resumes, he'd pull that out. He'd put, he might put it at the back, but he would always be pulling it out of the stack. So he'd always get to see, uh, get his face or his resume in front of people. The other thing today I think that is much more prevalent, people must learn to apply for work online, either by submitting resumes online, which are constructed differently than a paper resume, or completing an application online. And you need to be prepared for that. There are little tests with certain companies. Their application process will time out after 30 minutes. So you have to be prepared to enter the online application within a certain time frame, or you might not get a full application in. So those are little tricks and tips that you need to look at on each and every uh, situation that you apply for a job. Yeah, I want to follow up to that because, again, it just reminded me of a couple things that I saw in this recent search. One was a, a person who's been in our business for many, many years, had a lot of things he could focus on in the last four or five years, and gave me one of those seven or eight page resumes that included every award that he had won back to when he was in college. And, you know, it just was totally irrelevant that he won an award when he was in a university when he's been working at some very large newspapers for the last 40 years. It just didn't matter. Well, on top of that, if, if I can, on top of that, more and more resumes are becoming outcome-based. You need to focus upon, here's what I did that affected the bottom line of this company. Whether it be with a newspaper, here was the award-winning story that I had uh, two years ago, but not the one I did 20 years ago. Uh, or here is what I did that affected the bottom line of this manufacturing company. I, invi- I changed a process that saved the company $1.1 million over the course of a year. All of a sudden, your name goes to the top because it's an outcome-based uh, resume and they're more interested in you. Yeah. You also need to have your resume tailored. It used to be we would send out the same resume to 50 employers. Now you send out 50 different resumes, one, one to each employer. It has to be tailored to the specifics of that particular job. So it's much more work on your part to be prepared for that. And classes at Ivy Tech, classes at WorkOne and other uh, providers can help people do that. Well, we'll get back to Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm going to hold you off for a minute because we have a phone call. Oh, great. Okay. So <laughs> let's go to Tim on the phone. Tim? Hello. Hi, Tim. Um, I'm really glad to hear this program, and I, I just got in on the last 20 minutes. Has anyone mentioned one of the resources right available in our community, which is the Business and Professional Exchange that meets every Wednesday? Has anyone mentioned that? Not, not been mentioned yet. Richard? Uh, no, the, but I will. The Business and Professional Exchange, 730 every uh, Wednesday morning. It's at the... Uh, Continuing uh, Education Center, IU Bloomington Continuing Studies. <laughs> right, IU Continuing Studies on the south side of the square in the in Fountain Square. Uh, Seven thirty until about nine o'clock. There's networking, and I don't know, Tim. You, if you've been, obviously, I think. Oh, that, I, I've I've been many times. Len Teeman, who's one of your colleagues, he right. he uh, kind of uh, puts a lot of input into it. And I, while I was there Wednesday, I learned about the job fair for adjunct professors at Ivy Tech. Went by there. 
yesterday afternoon. And I think people that are unemployed or underemployed, which is kind of my case, uh, you really need to be together with other people. And, and that's a great networking opportunity. And, and uh, since this uh, economic recession, or whatever we call it, the numbers there have just shot upwards. And after Bob Salzberg did a wonderful uh, piece in the paper about it, our numbers are just like it used to be like five or ten people. Now it's 25 or 30 and you can get encouragement from one another. And if someone gets a job or gets an interview, they everybody cheers for them. The only thing is, if you if you get a job, you have to buy donuts the next week to, to feed the group. That's uh, a small price to pay. <laughs> it's a good opportunity for uh, for professionals. Uh, we have a lot of people that attend from throughout the whole region: uh, Seymour, Green Greenwood, Indianapolis, Bloomington, and there are different people that participate each and every week. Uh, I get the opportunity to go two or three times a year to uh, do a presentation. I might go another couple of times just to sit in and, and uh, participate. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's available in about a half a dozen cities throughout Indiana. Kokomo, I think, has a chapter of uh, business and professional exchange as well now. And Columbus is talking about starting one. So it's a great opportunity for people to, to network, see what jobs are out there, and to share information. I will say, Tim, thanks for the uh, plug. Um, I I suggested the story after I talked to Lynn, but Bill Struthers, the guy who actually executed it and did a very good job. He did a very good job. He's a great reporter. He talked to a lot of us. And and, uh, and uh, I think you just got to get these opportunities for networking out there. And when you realize that you're not the only person in the same situation, it's like any self-help group, that, that makes you feel better. Right. Okay, Tim. Thanks a lot for the call. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. 855 811 wfiuorg slash Noon Edition. And on Twitter, it's at Noon Edition. Well, talking about a bit about networking, obviously, uh, you mentioned earlier in the program, Richard, that this is how the majority of people get their jobs uh, through friends. Uh, so but what about the concept of networking? When you're meeting someone and you're trying to network with them, ostensibly you're trying to maybe get something from them or, or get something for yourself from them. How can networking not be – not sleazy, but you know, <laughs> how, how can you use someone to get a job for yourself but still uh, you know, not go about it in that, that kind of sleazy way, I guess? Well, I think you need to focus upon telling people that – what your focus is. Not that you want them to do anything uh, uh, improper to help you or anything, but saying, look, I'm in a situation that, that I need a job. You generally in your job recommend people that you've met to, to your coworkers. All I'm asking you to do, and if we were doing this, I would say, all I'm asking you to do, Daniel, is to tell people that, that bring up that they need someone with a, uh, an ability to do A, B, and C. Uh, tell them my name. Tell them that you know someone. That would you be willing to accept a phone call or a resume or a contact from so and so? And and that's that's really what you need to do. And that's what networking is. And so people can make those contacts. They're not asking you to get them a job. One thing I've said. I've been in this business for, as Bob said, we've all been around a lot. <laughs> but I've been doing this for over thirty years, and I've never got anyone a job except myself. You're the only one that can get yourself a job. But you can get other people to help you uh, find those jobs and help you get your foot in the door and talk to people. If I knew a reporter that came from some other area of uh, Indiana and that said, look, I'm going to move to Bloomington, who should I contact at the newspaper? I'd give him Bob's name. I might call Bob and say, well, here's, a, here's someone that I gave your name to. They may be contacting you. And he would say, well, we're not going to hire anybody right now. Well, that's fine, but the person might still want to make that contact because Bob might remember that person. And as Katie was talking earlier, the reason that Ivy Tech, Work One, and others have had some success in this Bloomington area is we network ourselves. We communicate with each other. Here's what's going on. Now, this isn't uh, to give the newspaper a lot of uh, promotion today, but back in the Thompson situation, the newspaper, uh, Herald Times, donated column space for a Thompson column that actually shared a lot of this information we're talking about so that the workers could share information, they could get information from all the service providers, and at the same time, the community would understand what's going on too. 
I, I think, Daniel, I think that was a great question, though, because yeah. I, I, I think that and, and I would say from my perspective, too, that if you if you're not somebody I mean, if you come and and if you go about in a sleazy way, then nobody, you know, I'm yeah. not going to pass your name along to anybody. You know, it, it, it's all it's all you know, the individual who's selling himself um, has to, you know, has to sell himself to the people that he's trying to network with. So. One of the important may, things. May I say sure? um, something just to um, get into the conversation again about the feeling of using people as you are networking? The one way to get around that feeling is to realize what a great segue that you can be for others. In other words, you become somebody who others will network with. And when you think of it that way, then you're not feeling as if you're using people, trying to climb a ladder. Um, you're helping others the way you would expect to be helped. Well, one of the reasons I asked that question is because I just got out of school about a couple years ago, and uh, one of the things they did not teach us to do is network. You know, one of the th- uh, there was a whole concept that I feel like everybody has their own definition of, of networking, and so um, I guess one of the things I would have added to my education or to the general students out there is the how to go about doing this the right way without seeming like you're just meeting someone so you can get something out of them. Well, a good example is uh, the business and professional exchange. One of the things that those folks are uh, – they may or may not know this, but uh, the information is provided uh, early on in their experiences. Come up with what, what's called an elevator speech, your 30-second sell. And the thing is you don't want to sell yourself – if you sell yourself hard or sleazy in 30 seconds, then that's how you're going to come across. But you're going to – be better off by selling yourself in terms of here's the skills I have and here are the outcomes that I can bring to any organization. And if you hone it down to 30 seconds or the elevator speech, then you're not going to come across uh, improperly toward anyone. I have to to uh, bring Mary Catherine into this conversation even though she's not with us because she runs the Leadership Bloomington Monroe County program and that is classically – I mean it's a, it's a classic – uh, program that educates people about our community, but every class is a networking opportunity. And those people, they go out and they meet people in the community, and the people within the class, there are 25 or 30 people in the class, become a little group or network in and of themselves that will kind of watch each other's back. And that they may not, they may come from different backgrounds, and some of them may like people other, you know, some other than other, other, you know, some people better than others. But they wind up um, being somebody that, that one of them can call and say, "What do you know about this job?" or "Do you know this person?" That's right. As Richard said, it has to be <clears throat> articulate. And you mentioned the elevator. Um, you just never know when you will meet someone um, who knows someone. And so that's the key. Um, one thing to not do is to ramble. And it's easy to do once you start talking, so you have to practice. And that's what, what happens with um, um, some of the groups that are focused on networking, and that is their purpose. And one that comes to mind is Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. It's um, fairly um, – I don't – I mean, there, there are dues, but they're reasonable, and people – can get practice articulating and um, making yeah. their message go forward. Well, I think Daniel's brought up a, a point. I'll just go one step further. I mean, how many people or how many jobs, what percentage of jobs out there, and I don't know that you have a specific answer to this, but um, are obtained because somebody knows somebody as opposed to just somebody goes out there, makes a cold call, and winds up with a job because of their skills? Well, the percentages are hard. The percentages are hard. Yeah, but yeah. 50, some people say 50 percent. I think uh, everyone will agree that it's 50 percent or more of the jobs are like that. How do you hear about job X? Uh, you may hear about it from a friend. Uh, you may hear from relatives. You may not see it in the newspaper. You may not see it through a job site like uh, uh, the Work One sites. Uh, and so – I would say at least 50 percent. Some say as much as 80 percent of all jobs are obtained that way. Uh, you, may, you may see it advertised somewhere but then you may talk to a friend about it. So, and that may be the, the hinge point as to when you make that decision to go apply for it. So what really made your decision? I don't know. I did want to say though that 
there are jobs out there today in this tough economy. Even though they're hard to find, there are jobs out there. You may not – the folks may not have the skills for them, so they may have to upgrade their skills, which we started out talking about. But there are jobs out there. Any day through, uh, through our job uh, site, the IndianaCareerConnect.com, we have about 500 jobs available in Bloomington. Now, 100 of those are what we call the preferred jobs or gold star jobs that are posted with the Work One office. But the other 400-plus jobs are spider job that we go out and we find from Indiana University or Bloomington Hospital or from corporate sites or, or private job boards. And uh, there are jobs out there. The question is, do you have the skills for the jobs that are out there? And that, that becomes a, a more difficult situation. And that's what Katie does and that's what, that's what our folks at Work One do in terms of helping you ad- adjust your skills to meet the demands of the workplace. Sure. Well, one of the things that uh, I guess social networking sites on, online can do is tell you who you know in common. So uh, Bob and I are Facebook friends. So I can go on there and it has a list of all the people that we know uh, together that we I didn't meet Bob through these people. But uh, do you tell people to go online and, and use these these services to th- make these connections and uh, especially in the modern age with Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff? I do, yeah. I'm graduating students, for instance – um, not just Facebook, but upgrade to LinkedIn, where you can see how people who you've had professional associations with will recommend you for various kinds of jobs. <clears throat> I also, um, you know, I, I go out there and it, you create a, a portrait of yourself, basically, and then your friends join you. Um, but it's more professional in nature. And um, I think employers are starting to use that. And we don't have percentages as to how people make decisions, whether it's based upon the best resume in the world or um, profile on LinkedIn or Facebook, for that matter. Um, But what we do know is people hire people that they know. Employers will go with the best route, you know, the most efficient route. And when people who they trust know people and they are recommended – then it's kind of easy to hire or make that investment to hire someone. What What do you tell people about just, you know, the, there's information on people everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that usually when I'm getting close to hiring somebody or if I'm not close, I, I mean, we may do a little search, a Google search of people just to find out more about them if they've applied. Do you talk about this when you're uh, – Every day. <laughs> <laughs> In fact uh, – to talk about t- – here's a tip that uh, uh, people can use. Make sure your voicemail at home is professional and it's not, hey, here's the – you know who you got. Leave it if you want it. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. You don't, you don't want to leave. That's not a good professional message. Also, look at your email uh, addresses. Uh, there was uh, – email addresses need to be appropriate like your name or your initial – not something like uh, Doll Baby 1972. Uh, that's an actual email address that no longer exists, by the way. Uh, but those uh, you, people need to look at those because they set a, they set off certain thoughts in potential employers' minds. And we all use we recommend to people, and I think Katie will agree. We recommend to everyone use every resource you can whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever social networking site that you, you're familiar with. Use those to get the word out there that you're looking for work. I, I'd suggest that people, people should know what an employer is going to find when they go to those sites too. Absolutely. You know, if, if there's something there that, that you know an employer is going to find, then you need to be prepared to talk about it. You don't want to put a picture of your spring break uh, <laughs> trip uh, on there. I understand that there are privacy settings, and if you can set them, you should, especially if you have an active search. Daniel, you mentioned um, that you graduated within the last few years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you used your career services office, but it's very important for students and graduates to use all of the resources. One of them that we have that almost every career services office has is an exclusive site for online 
networking, um, to post jobs, to post your resume, and to connect. Ours is called Job Zone, and I'm surprised um, that there aren't more resumes out there, that there is not more activity. So if you have a career services office, use it. Um, there's a lot of resources that you can attain um, by, by just walking in the door or going online. One of the two minutes we have left here, I sort of wanted to uh, ask this question. We've been doing a three-part series uh, about the economy. And uh, I just wanted to get your take on, on this concept that you hear all the time of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. In this economy, what does that mean to you? Well, that can sound annoying to people who are doing that. Um, so I really have to emphasize that um, that everybody has talent and it's a matter of realizing what your own talent is and being persistent, having that perseverance, knowing the market, and um, and just doing everything that you can to get that one yes. I would agree. You need to organize. You need to plan. You need to be relentless in, in your search. You need um, to network and uh, – and then you need to work your plan as you've developed it, and, and that includes resources such as Katie or, or the Work One, and and uh, uh, other community resources as well. Could you uh, give us a phone number or email or website just in the last uh, thirty seconds? So if people want to follow up with Katie Anderson or with Richard Rampley, you can do so. Katie, my email address is kanderso at ivtech.edu. My telephone number is 330-6018. And uh, my contact information is Richard Rampley, and the email is rrampley, R-R-A-M-P-L-E-Y, at tds.net. And my telephone is 812-331-6008. All right. I want to thank Richard Rampley and Katie Anderson for being with us today. It's been a fascinating program. Thanks for all your tips and your help. For uh, Daniel Robinson, who's been sitting in for Mary Catherine Carmichael, for producer uh, Regan McCarthy and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Clauses 2 providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closet Sioux, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.